What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, and Happy New Year, everyone. I'm recording this in January. It's going to be out pretty much the same day that I record this. Uh, I know I backed up on everything. I'm now completely in the zone of getting all these rotation pieces out, and of course, these podcasts out as soon as possible for the next two weeks. You just get all of them, and you can go and listen to them and all of that fun. But keep in mind, uh, we have some amazing things we're announcing this week. Uh, of course, we have PitchCon on January 24th to 28th. I'll tell you guys about more about that later. We have two big articles coming out tomorrow that is just about announcements for things. And just be on the lookout for it. One is Lifetime PL Plus and PL Pro subscriptions. I believe we're only going to be allowing about 100 people to sign up. So it's going to be a limited amount um, if you want in to help us. Uh, and support the site. I uh, seriously consider it. Um, it's great. You get free merch with it. You get lifetime PL Pro. Everything that we add moving forward, you just get. Um, we expect to be a company that is around for a very long time, and I think it's I think it's four years. Essentially, you're paying up front to get uh, a lifetime. So I look forward for that. I look forward to that uh, on Wednesday or Thursday, and I also I'm going to be showcasing a lot of just. You know, a lot of the times I've been keeping it close to the chest of what we are doing for a PLX, for, sorry, the next pitcherless launch. Like, it was PL8 last year. We're skipping 9. We're going straight to PL10, so it's PLX this year, and then PL11, and so on. And I, I'm i going to be sharing a lot more with you tomorrow. Um, I think it's important to keep you guys in the loop to showcase that we are not a company that just kind of sits on our laurels. You know, we are always going to be moving forward. We have massive ambition and so many opportunities for us. And I want to do all of it. And I want to do all of it without getting VC funding, if I can. Because I want to have full control of this, which essentially means that you have full control of this. Uh, Because I make this for you. (laughs) Uh, I do not need to be a wealthy CEO. Right. I just want to make it a wonderful company that everyone loves and does not sell out and does all the good things. So help us do that. Um, and I'll be share, showing some of the fun stuff in the future with you tomorrow. But today we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds. And it's weird because Frankie Montes just signed here. So now it might be a six man rotation. And I, when I wrote this rotation piece back in December, it didn't come with any expectations of another starter joining the ranks. So. It might be a really good situation for Cincinnati overall if they move to a six-man. Why? Because you have someone like Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo who have been injured a decent amount. You have also Graham Ashcraft who has been injured. And they haven't really had that full workload anyway, so you might want to ease them into that. You also have Andrew Abbott who tossed 109 innings last year in the majors, tossed them in AAA as well. So they don't necessarily want to push them to 200 or something like that as well. And then you also have Nick Martinez, who has not gone a full season as a starter. Uh, He won 110 innings last year between being the fireman and some starting pitching as well in April and then added some more in September a little bit. And of course, Frankie Montes, who was hurt all of last year, say for what, two innings or so? And the stats I used and everything I referenced inside the article is, I'm going to talk about today, is about 2022. Um, you also have young guys like Connor Phillips and Brandon Williamson. Um, so it's a very deep rotation, and none of them are those true workhorses. So it makes all the sense to make this a six-man and really incorporate them as they go. There might be a situation where the, the Reds say, you know what, we're going to go with five and say, Abbott or Ludolo, just stay in AAA for a moment 
And we're going to take this easy here. And when there is an opening, as we expect there to be at least one very soon, um, in some aspect, unfortunately, then they will come up and have a normal season after that. So keep that in mind. But at the very least, Hunter Green should very much be a part of this rotation from the get-go. And while I so badly want to buy in on Hunter Green, I just can't do it. Um, he had a 40% ICR last year. And that is a 4.82 ERA with a 142 whip across 112 innings. I get it. I really truly do understand why Hunter Green is appealing. He is upper 90s and he has a 87 mile per eight, uh, 87 to 88 mile per hour slider. And I just think that he's going to allow too many home runs. It's 1.5 plus homer per nine in each of the last two seasons. I think he's going to be a cherry bomb. Uh, that is going to be wonderful and blissful for six starts. Everyone thinks, oh my gosh, Hunter Green is everything we've ever wanted him to be. Um, but I don't think he will. Why? I think his extension's terrible. It is It is terrible. I don't think it is. And that means when you throw a fastball, it's way more hittable. It essentially just is not the same velocity than you think. So you see upper 90s, you see like 101 or something from Hunter Green. That's actually less than what... It, that actually is. That's why we see these pitches that are more hittable. And it's even more hittable when he throws it low, which Hunter Green does a decent amount. When he succeeds, it's upstairs, and he does the Blake Snell blueprint beautifully. Arguably, Hunter Green's slider is better than his fastball. We actually even see soft starts last year that Hunter Green was throwing more sliders than his fastball. But I just don't believe that we're going to see Hunter Green have a sub-hit uh, eight hits per nine next year. I just think his stuff is too hittable. I think he doesn't have a third option as well, which allows batters to really gear up for that fastball better. And again, remember, it really isn't like a hundred mile per hour fastball. It's lower because of that extension. Extension matters a ton. Um, something that I've actually been talking with Kyle Bland about is adding EV to the side that is effective velocity, which essentially says, hey, all extensions at, I think it's what around like six, six or something like that is normal velocity. And then I uh, and then the extension pulls it one way or another. You can also even say the locations are uh, effective velocity of away is lower or slower and inside is faster. But even just based on extension, I think is actually a really good reference point of just in general. Um, every fastway throws is either softer or harder based on that. And I think that's a really cool way of understanding that Hunter Green's fastball is not really relatively as hard. So that makes sense. I hope it does. Um, but he has all the things going against him. Bad park, and that's a really big thing for this entire rotation. Bad park for Hunter Green, a fastball that is too hittable, and lack of third pitch. This is not going to be the breakout season that you want. If you're chasing strikeouts in your 12-teamers, 15-teamers, I get it. Uh, he's going to be cheaper than other strikeout arms, and that's a good thing. But at what cost? At what cost? Uh, Nick Lodolo... I even hinted that maybe he doesn't even start in the majors this year. He only threw 34 innings last year. He had a uh, stress fracture in his tibia, uh, and then he re-injured it. So it's really two of these happened, and it took him out the entire year. The good news is that it's his leg, and is not his arm, which is great. In the short time that we saw him, it was a 20% carry and a 6% walk rate. If there's any stat that you should just look at face value and say this is a good pitcher or a bad pitcher, it's K minus walk rate. It's just the best stat. And what's really funny is 13 hit per nine, 40% ICR, 629 ERA, and 175 whip uh, in those 34 innings. Yeah, the bad bit of a thing was 440. I mean, guys, come on. We know that's ridiculous. The 13 hit per nine isn't what's going to be next year. 40% ICR, though. 
not really what you want. Four Seamer got crushed a lot more than you want. 47% ICR and that is terrible. But the real thing about Nicoladolo is just how good this curveball is. 30% ICR is unreal for 36%, 36% usage in those 34 innings. Uh, that is so, so low. You want 35%, right, for secondaries. And for one that's thrown 36% of the time to get only a 3 out of 10 balls in play are good for the batter. That's, oof, that's really good. Um, 23% swing strike rate on that as well. The things that Lodolo can do um, is I think he can locate that four-seamer better than your typical lefty slingers as I throw uh, Lodolo into that pile of like Heaney and Manaya and even kind of Kyle Harrison. Uh, I think he does have better command than that. The changeup, it needs a little bit of work. He does get a 63% strike rate on it, 27% CSW, not the highest ICR, like 37.5 is okay, but it's only 13% usage, and I really think that this should be a bigger nullifier for right-handers. The problem I see is the curveball is really like a slider. It's so good against lefties. The fastball isn't. The changeup isn't. That sinker he tried to introduce against them, um, not really that good either. So this is a common thing, is against lefties, you're going to see like one side of the plate a batter, a pitcher just struggles against and that's really the solution for their improvement and it's something that this offseason I've really tried to embrace as much as I can um, our stats on our site the filtering system that is for lefties versus righties is faster than it was before because we changed hosts and I heavily recommend when you do your research say versus lefty and versus righty and use all pitches and then you can get a sense of what they use and what's effective and where the, the faults are and Nick Lodolo, yeah, he's not as good against lefties. So uh, he doesn't really have the same kind of attack that he can have against righties because the changeup does exist, right? Four seamers um, can be really good and can be really bad. Only an 8% swing strike rate is really shocking last year. I think that can get better, but maybe not, honestly. And without that being a 13%, 14% swing strike rate pitch, this really comes down to the curveball at the moment and locating those four seamers. So I think that four-seamer can be better. I think its location is messing it up a little bit at the moment. And we might see that improve. But if we don't really see that go, then Nick Lodolo is just destined to be another cherry bomb in a bad situation. We have a lot more to talk about, of course, with Andrew Abbott and uh, Frankie Montas, Nick Martinez, Connor Phillips. Connor Phillips is so interesting. And, of course, their prospects on the fringe guys. We're going to talk about all of those and more after this break. So Andrew Abbott is up next. What a what a time it was. As an analyst, it's really conflicting because you know me, I want every pitcher to be dope, but then at times I see guys that are overperforming by a ton and the general uh, discussion is elevated to say the least and I feel not, you know, feel the obligation to say, "Well, hold on guys, let's temper our, our expectations," which means I'm essentially saying he's negative and then of course my ego at times combats with the fact that I want him to be really good, but also I want some confirmation and validation. And I uh, it did arrive eventually. Um, but you know, it's never a fun feeling for me as an analyst. I get that. See, right, he wasn't as good. He isn't as good as we all thought he was, but also, dang it, he's bad <laughs> now. And I don't like that. So you know, it's always a position I never like to be in. And Andrew Abbott put that for me uh, in me into that last year where his four-pitch mix um, is a four-seamer curveball slider and changeup. And I don't really know what his best one is. There are times when the curveball is the best breaking ball for Abbott. There's times when the slider is the best one. The four-seamer only had a 9% swing strike rate. Initially, 
it looked like more of that whiff pitch upstairs, but then locations were worse. It's ICR overall, 46%. This pitch was crushed. Same with the curveball at 45%, and then the slider was only 28%. So it's pretty clear that the slider is the one that misses bats more. 16% swing straight versus the 10% of the curveball. That should be the offering. But there are times when it's just the curveball that day, right? Abbott can be very good. And also, the command is better than what I have seen from rookies in the past that have a near 10% walk rate. I don't think he's a 10% walk rate pitcher. But I also question, is Andrew Abbott going to get a better swing strike rate than 9% on his four-seamer? Probably not. I mean, fine, he's going to have like 11% or so. But I don't really think this is an overwhelming four-seamer. I think there's too much damage being allowed on the curveball. And his changeup is not good enough at the moment. 54% strike rate is just not it. So Andrew Abbott needs to really figure out a rhythm here. I think he can is the fun part. Like, I'm not going to rule it out. It's the first year. And as I was saying before with the command, I usually see a little bit worse command, especially with that walk rate. And generally, command gets worse. Uh, sorry, gets better the second year. Kyle Bodie says that, and I, I very much get it. There's so many factors that go into your rookie year as a pitcher, getting acclimated, jitters, all of this stuff. And then you get in a proper offseason. You feel more confident. You can really get into that uh, position that you are as a starting pitcher and, and really get that confidence back. And uh, it can change massively the second season. So I'm not saying that this is who Andrew Abbott is. I do question if his four-seamer is good enough. And uh, especially in this parking situation, it's just too much of a risk. He's not going to have a 26% K rate again, right? He will have those moments. And that's the toughest part about this entire Reds rotation. All of them are going to have their moments of being phenomenal. And you're going to be wrestling this the entire year of what do we do with Andrew Abbott and Hunter Green and Nicoladello? And what I do in my drafts is I do not touch them. In 12-teamers, you will not be in a situation to pick them up. You won't. Someone else will just have them through the year. And maybe it will work. Absolutely, it could. I think these guys are going to be hipsters, headache-inducing pitchers, stifling the entire roster. I don't want to touch them. I'm excited for them. I want to see them thrive. And it's a possibility. And in your 15 teamers where you're looking at post 300 pick and maybe Andrew Abbott is, I don't know where he is right now. If this is, if he is there, he could go every five games and have a 24% strikeout rate. And there you go. There's nearly a 200 strikeout season, 180 strikeout season from Andrew Abbott. It is possible he does that, especially if the four seamer gets better. I don't want to deal with this in a 12 teamer. 15 teamer makes more sense to me because the pool is worse. Um, yeah, it just, I can't do this. Uh, well, I mean, it, I think it's beginning, what, eight starts or so, I had a 96% left on base rate or something, 190 array. Yeah, Andrew Abbott, I'm really sorry. Uh, Graham Ashcraft, I'm really sorry too, man. Uh, everyone knows the story about me trading him away and then it getting rejected, or not rejected, but uh, uh, what what is it, reinstated? I can't remember. Um, I, I broke the rules, essentially. I didn't set my line properly, so he got traded back to me because I broke it, the trade was done, and then he was terrible in the month of May. Um, Graham Ashcraft is simple. Sinker, cutter, slider. It's really cutter and slider. Sinker sometimes shows up. It makes all the sense for the sinker to exist for Graham Ashcraft. Why? Because cutter and slider go in the same direction and the sinker goes in the opposite direction. It, it, duh. But he can't command anything. It's like really key. He can't command it. The best he can command is a slider getting down a lot, a lot. The cutter needs to be down. I, I say this often. 
If you're throwing fastballs upstairs, it means you're trying to miss above the bat. It's pretty simple. You're trying to swing at something high. You're generally coming from a low position and you're going up. That means you're trying to miss above the bat. When you throw low, you're trying to miss under the bat because you're, the bat is at your waist level and you're going down to it. So if you throw a cutter that is going down, you don't want to throw it up because it goes down into the bat. It helps the hitter. So you got to get these down. Unfortunately, Ashcraft can't do that. It stinks. He still had a 35% ICR in this cutter, right? He had a 40% on his slider and a 44% on his sinker. That does include the good with the bad. But none of these had a swing strike rate above 16%. Even the slider was just a 15%. The best scenario for Graham Ashcraft to me is finding a way to just to stay low with the cutter always. Always. And then at the very least, he can be a dependable ground ball machine. And then the slider goes underneath that. What's happening right now is that when batters see the ball low, they're just taking it a lot. And that slider isn't as whiffed at because it's just underneath it. Also, they are looking at the same movement profile. If there's a way for that sinker to actually be consistent jamming batters inside, then things are great. What's kind of wild is that sinker's 14.7% CSW, not called strike rate, not swing strike rate. That's CSW, 14.7% is lower than the slider's 15.4% swing strike rate. That is so ridiculous. Anyway, that sinker gets swung at, right? And if he gets that inside enough, which he doesn't always, then that does return outs or foul balls, and that's good, but it's just a 55% strike rate right now. So uh, when you see a <laughs> you see a forty percent uh, difference between strike rate and CSW, like oh okay cool they swing a ton at this and they foul it off or put it in play and it gets hit hard. This is a lot about Graham Mashcraft's sinker. Um, it's a four twelve PLV, which is so bad. I don't think I've seen many that are around four. Um, yeah, I don't have any faith that Graham Mashcraft is just going to fix his command. Okay, it's that simple. Um, if you're chasing volume. You might get some because hopefully Ashcraft gets enough outs with the cutter and the slider and he gets through six innings faster because it is faster to earn outs in play than it is earning strikeouts. You need a minimum of three pitches for a strikeout and uh, you need a minimum of one for an out. But yeah, I just, nope, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, Nick Martinez. That's an interesting one. Uh, I've been shouting for a long time to let Nick Martinez start. And uh, the Padres did it at first and I really felt like he was getting into a groove. He was making the right adjustments doing better work with his sinker and four-seamer and his changeup. But like, Nick Martinez has five pitches, legitimately. He has a four-seamer, he has a, a sinker. Actually, has six, really, with his cutter and a slider. Uh, and uh, the cutter kind of really is a slider, I should say. Um, but yeah, changeup, sinker, curveball, cutter, four-seamer. Best pitch, by far, is this changeup. Nick Martinez's changeup is like Marco Estrada-esque. It is 81 miles per hour, while his sinker comes in at 93. This thing is gets guys to bend the knee all the time. He threw it 29% of the time, and Nick Martinez's changeup had a 26% swing strike rate. That is so unbelievably elite. He also earned a near 66% strike rate on it, and its ICR was 29%. That isn't even just against lefties, that's against righties too, right? That's combined. It is phenomenal. He has to throw this more than 30% of the time. If you ask me, he should be throwing this 35 to 40%. Then the sinker, I think, got better as the year went on, being that jammed only to right-hander pitch. 
I think it's really good at that. He has a high O swing on it. It's a it's a good combination. The curveball gets good strikes uh, when he lands it. It's 55% strike rate, unfortunately. But 30% ICR, that's really good. The ones that damaged him the most were the cutters that found too much of the zone. He didn't use this as a swing strike rate pitch. It is not that. It is a 7% swing strike rate pitch. 25% called strikes, but its ICR was 53%. This is what he was trying to do against lefties a lot and just did not work. Right? Can't really get that down in a way trying to use the curveball more for that. And then the four-seamer, only 10% swing strike rate pitch. This is not really it. So to me, Nick Martinez has to just figure out how do I abuse this changeup and then get enough strikes with everything else. The curveball is, I think, a really fantastic shape to it. But it's just got to be more in the zone, I think, than 55%. But really, that's it. Uh, I really think that the the sinker can be so good. Um, actually, as a front hit pitch as well. Um, but yeah, the, the cutter and the four seamer just messed them up too much. And he's got a, it's good that it was under 30% usage last year and he had a successful year. It's just, yeah, that changeup is amazing and needs to get extracted more. Frankie Montas is an interesting one. Frankie Montas didn't really pitch last year in 2023. It was like, what, two games? So I'm not even going to include those stats here. I'm going to talk about Frankie Montas 21-22 because that's really the guy that we're hoping to see. If we don't see 95-96 on his fastballs in the spring, we're seeing like 93-94, then I'm just out. It's that simple. I don't want to take a chance on this. It does make a lot of sense for Frankie Montas to be in Cincinnati, though, because he is more of a ground ball pitcher. How he does that is he's really good at getting his sinker inside to right-handers. This is really what has established Montas through the years. It did this in, in Oakland a ton. It's a bowling ball sinker. It, it comes in hard. It is vicious to, to right-handers and destroys bats. He does a great job of getting that inside. A low 37% ICR, 67% strike rate in 2022 on this pitch. The splitter is fantastic. It's, uh, I mean, when it's working, it's a splitter. Come on. It used to have a 26% swing strike rate to lefties. And that was 2021. It was it dropped down to 19% in 2022. And he did uh, a little bit better than that against righties um, last in 2022 as well. But Montes needs that splitter. And if you remember actually my roundups, 2021 even, uh, Montes would go on these stretches where he would find his splitter again. I think the first couple months of 21, he didn't have it. And then he found it and then he just would dominate. Now, all of a sudden, finally, lefties are struggling again. And the spl- the slider is not the pitch we want it to be. When we think of sliders, it should be this big swing strike rate pitch. And actually, 16% swing strike rate in 2022 is higher than I expected. But it's what he threw against righties. That was his main thing there. It's really a strike pitch for him. That's that's the main focus, is to just get strikes with them, not really be this overwhelming strikeout pitch. And that really is the splitter. Four-seamers at times can jam lefties, and that is good. The cutter was introduced by the Yankees to try to jam guys inside, and that did not work. He could not locate this thing whatsoever. It was terrible. So the way I see it for Frankie Montes is as long as the sinker is going inside 95-plus to right-handers, the splitter is present, and he has a decent enough approach against lefties with either four-seamers going inside, sliders for strikes, and that splitter working. Then all of a sudden, oh man, you have like a six-inning guy in Cincinnati. He's going to get a ton of ground balls because of those sinkers and those splitters. Few, a uh, few home runs really, unless he accidentally elevates inside the zone, or just really is just too much in the zone with his four-seamer or sinker or that cutter, just is stupid, right? Like that's the only way that that happens. Uh, so there is promise here. 
It's just, who is he going to be? Is he healthy? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so it was 93-94 in uh, September for that very minimal amount. And I'm assuming it's going to be that again. Generally, when guys do come back, if you think of like Shane Bieber returning, he was diminished down to 91 after we wanted to see like 93-94. And that's where he is now. So I'm much more out on Montes at that lower velocity. It's possible he can make that work, but personally, I'm not really taking the chance on Montez. I just see another cherry bomb here. Other guys to talk about, I'm going to be quicker here. Um, Connor Phillips is a very exciting young arm. His four-seamer has elite marks in IVB, that is vert. Um, it's over 17, which is really good. It's uh, His VAA is excellent. It's a flat arm angle. So it's also coming to 96, 97. His extension is normal. It's, it's average. What this means is that when Connor Phillips is able to actually get his four-seamer up in the zone, he destroys batters. He had a 6% swing strike rate on that four-seamer last year. Think about that. This is how important it is for him to get it elevated. It wasn't at all. And he had terrible command. I mean, 60% strike rate. There was also that game where he threw 12 balls to start the game and got pulled. Uh, It was only 21 innings. And this is why it's so important uh, for me, really, to see the swing strike rate on the four-seamer and not just take that at face value. Like, I see that and go, oh, well, I guess it's clearly not a good fastball. Like, no, it actually has all the reasons to be an excellent elite one. It has the higher, I think it actually has higher stuff plus than Hunter Greens, um, if not, like, slightly underneath it. And this is why. So, you know, because of the elite VAA, the elite vert, that's a huge, huge deal. The slider... Misses a ton of bats, 23% swing strike rate last year, 43% CSW. It's a fantastic pitch. Again, can't locate. It's just two pitches for Connor Phillips right now. I mean, it's a curveball. Um, it's not really the thing that you want. So I I, I want to like Connor Phillips, but I don't really believe that he's going to be that guy next year. Brandon Williamson had some nice stretches last season. Um, he, had, he got COVID by the end in August. And that, uh, that essentially messed him up through the year. He was also up in his velocity to 94 all of a sudden, and then came back down to 92 or so. It was 92.8 for the full year, but when he was at 91, 92, it wasn't as the, as the same as it was around like 93, 94. And with Williamson, he really became a good Wade Miley. It was cutters inside, change-ups away. This works um, really well. The change-up needs more refinement on just a 55% strike rate, but that cutter inside can be effective. So I I do like uh, Williamson as a deep play for like your um, best ball leagues, but he's someone to monitor through the year as a streamer and just see if he's getting that cutter inside effectively to righties. Is he at 93, 94 when he does get that opportunities? I don't think he really has a major thing against lefties. The slider, just a 13% swing strike right last year. He doesn't really destroy them down in a way as most lefties do. It's because he has this big over the top delivery that means he gets good ivp but the four seamer is not coming in at the right angle which means that there's a higher chance of contact and thus the eight percent swing strike rate but it also means that the slider needs to really be a gyro one as opposed to a sweeping one and generally gyro ones from my understanding aren't as good against lefties as the sweeping ones so keep that in mind it does make sense to me that his curveball could be really good from over the top. It was a 26% called strike rate, but it's really a show me. Try to get that over pitch. 50% strike rate. Not good enough there. Um, on the fringe, we have TJ Antone, who's coming back from TJS uh, and Santone there. <laughs> so sorry. 
I think he's going to be more in the relief role. Um, it's possible they are going to try and stretch him out a bit. Uh, his curve and slider were both really good breaking balls. Uh, back in the day, they would earn whiffs, they would find strikes, all that kind of stuff. And the four-seamer and sinker are just not the pitch. So it's really a Guardians-type uh, starter if you read the uh, the rotation piece. This is pretty much exactly what I was saying about TJ Antom. And it's interesting to me, but I don't really think the, the Reds are going to do that. I believe he'd be the eighth option at this point. Uh, Lion Richardson got some time last year. He throws 96-97 and just a bad swing strike rate, bad extension. I don't really want to see Lion Richardson on my teams in any way. Uh, relevant prospects, you have Chase Petty and you have Julian Aguilar. So Chase Petty used to be this amazing high school prospect who could flirt with 100 miles per hour. And I uh, nowadays it's sitting 92.95 as opposed to 97 plus. So he has a slight slider that can be phenomenal as well. It's just... We need to see some time here for this 20-year-old. He threw double A last year. Maybe we see some triple A. Maybe he gets an opportunity. But hopefully we see some more growth um, also in that splitter as his third pitch as well. Uh, then Julian Aguilar, uh, there's a great article uh, written about him that you guys should go check out in redsminorleagues.com. Um, but uh, he sits around 94, 95, and he can find 97. Uh, but... There are moments where he does look good with that slider and that changeup. I just don't really see the explosive arm without that better, that better fastball at the moment. But maybe I'm missing something there. And uh, just keep an eye on him for the Reds. But that is it for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in and subscribing to these podcasts. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbles be low and your strikeouts high.